Before we get going, Outside the Shoot would like to thank one of their sponsors, Coldstream Clear. Have you tried the new strawberry kiwi? Man, this stuff is good. Ditch the sugar with a fresh and flavorful vodka soda. Is iced tea your drink of choice? Well, Coldstream has both peach and lemon flavor. Taste the real tea difference. The only truly local hard iced tea made in the hub of Nova Scotia. Or maybe you're into mixing your own drinks. Coldstream has a huge selection of rum, vodka, liqueurs, and the must-try coffee rum cream. Visit them online at coldstreamclear.com and check out their amazing selections. Look for new products around all Atlantic provinces in the coming months, and they ship all across Canada. Again, that's coldstreamclear.com, Nova Scotia's original. Hey, hey, happy Monday once again. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 34 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. Big week in the game as the much-anticipated start of the NCAA season gets underway, and I'm pumped to watch these players finally get to play a real game in almost a year. The top-ranked UCLA Bruins will be looking to add lucky number 13 to their national title trophy case, but I'm sure other teams have different plans, including this week's guest alma mater, the number three-ranked Washington Huskies, who will be seeking their second title in school history. Speaking of this week's guest, we sat down and chatted with former Washington Husky and current Team Canada national team member, Danielle Laurie. Dan has had an amazing career to date. She is a two-time USA Collegiate Player of the Year, 2009 national champion, holds the University of Washington's record in career wins, shutouts, strikeouts, strikeout ratio, starts, appearances, complete games, and innings. She competed at the 2008 Olympics and will be looking to top it off with a gold medal in this year's Olympics in Tokyo. We talked to Danielle about getting her start in the game in BC, her storied career at University of Washington that resulted in the school's only national title in 2009, her grind with the Canadian national team, getting into broadcasting, and a lot more. Dan was a pleasure to chat with and I'm definitely excited to continue watching this mother of two make the push for an Olympic gold. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, cause here we go. I got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that? Here we go. Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. This is great. Finally, I've been busy. I'm sorry. I'm taking too long <laughs> to make this happen. That's all right. How uh, how are you, Drew, and the girls making out in Seattle? We're doing okay. We're hanging. Uh, my oldest starts actually in-person school on the 7th, so I'm excited for her. Oh, wow. Um, and my littlest has been been going to Kids at the Creek. It's like a church nearby. Right. Um, and she goes twice a week. So that's at least she's been able to get out and we're, we're hanging in there. That's good. That's good. It'd be exciting times for, for the girls then, would it? Yeah, they're excited. I mean, it's they we started soccer this past week. They finally opened because Seattle has been pretty strict with everything. So just them being able to you know, be around other kids and 
is is so important. So we're ready to rock. Absolutely. How how are the cases out there in Seattle? Honestly, I don't really know. I, I check stuff out every now and again, but I find any time we do that I just it's negative. So right. I try to just kind of stay in my bubble and focus on what I can control and we just opened up to phase two, so that's kind of good. Things will get a little bit back to normal, so we'll see. Right on. That was a little different year than you were expecting. Uh, how's the training going for Tokyo? Yeah, I um, have definitely been going through my, my ups and downs with it for sure, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tough pill when they, they postponed the Olympics, which is um, almost a year ago. So that was, that was definitely hard. I went through a a lot emotionally, I think just because after our Olympic qualifier, I went so hard out of the gate because I was assuming the Olympics were going to happen. Um, and I really haven't pushed myself to that level ever. So when the Olympics were postponed, it rattled my cages. And for about a week, I was like, there's no way I'm doing it. I'm not going another year. I can't, I can't do this again to the extent that, um, that I could. And I took a, a clean, healthy break from the game. I still worked out. I'm a workoutaholic. I, I need that for my mind anyway. So it wasn't that, but I just needed to take a break from throwing bullpens. I needed to get away from it and not think about it or let it consume me. And then I was super lucky um, to get that opportunity to broadcast the Athletes Unlimited. And I think that kind of reignited the flame a little bit for me, getting to be around some of my teammates and getting to watch these women compete at the highest level. And I was honored to call it and watch it. It just made me realize like once September comes, like I'm ready to go, I'm ready to start getting back into it and training. And that's what I've been doing. Um, I have solely focused on just putting forth my best effort that I totally can. I know um, I'm going to have my days of doubt and my hard days because I have a lot on my plate with family and, the list goes on, but that's never an excuse when the Olympics happens. The Olympics doesn't care that I have this family dynamic and trying to make that work. So just continuing to put forth that effort. I was shaken about a week and a bit ago with just them potentially saying they were going to cancel the Olympics. And it's, I think really the first time that I've ever, ever been totally in tune with my emotions, right? Because I think when you when you become a mom, you become a parent, um, it just allows you to tap into this different side of love and emotion. And I've always been as stoic as ever on the mound, right? Like, don't mess with me. That's right, always yeah. how I, I've gone about my business. So, man, when they, they was word on the street was that they were canceling the Olympics, I was rattled. I haven't cried like that in a really long time. And it's just because I care and I want it so bad. And I think when you live that every day, and you see that metal going around your neck, um, you have to see it to believe it, right? And I see it every day, and that's why I train to the level I do. So when it was rumor on the street that they were taking it away, um, or potentially, which it's obviously false, but still, you never know these days, Mm. it hurt my heart probably more than I thought it would. And that's why I love the social media piece, because I think it's so cool to let people into the grind and let them see that it is not glamorous. This is not like, I don't wake up every day and go, this is fun. (laughs) I do love it and I embrace it, but I feel like I need to let people know and see those hard, dark days. Um, because it lets everyone know that we're all human and we all have those moments. I'm not superwoman. Like I'm just not, I sometimes think I am, but 
at the end of the day, um, I'm human like everyone else. And I'm going to keep pushing until they tell me to stop and this thing is done. And I will gladly hang up these cleats for life, baby. <laughs> gladly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I saw that video you posted and I actually I sent you a message there. And, and you know, just to see the raw emotion coming from you, it, it you know, uh, it touched me. Like, I was like, Oh my God, I feel so bad for like, you know, I know it was just a rumor. I mean, but you, to go through the grind that you're going through and, you know, to have, yeah. have you think that, you know, it might be thrown away. I, I couldn't even imagine going through that. Yeah. And I feel like I've been so lucky to have the parents that I have in the sense where they've always taught me to, to respect and appreciate the hard stuff in the middle. Right. Like, right. you're not getting, tomorrow you're not guaranteed anything in sport like i'm not guaranteed a medal i wasn't guaranteed a championship at washington it just wasn't that was a lot of hard-ass work mm. and you had to embrace that and love that day in and day out and even on the hard days find ways to get better and love how hard it is because it's only making you better um but it, it's i think the hardest part of this last year and i'm totally someone that can train solo and be great um, but it's just not being around my teammates and stuff. So it's been a lot of lonely work, right? Like right. a lot of times like where I'm going and, and working out in my garage and throwing bullpens into a net and where I'm just questioning a lot of things. And that's healthy because it makes me realize like, like you got work to do. We got to get better. Like there will be a time when, when I miss this and yeah. I know that and I constantly tell people that I do these online zoom lessons with and, you know, I'm around the university every now and again. I see the kids at Washington. And I'm just like, you guys got to love and soak up this time because it's going to go by so fast and you're going to wish you could get it back. Yeah. And I'm not sure that I will wish to be back exactly where I am, but that preparation piece of preparing to try to beat the best in the world, I love that shit. That, that gets me up every day because I... I know I have to prepare myself to go to war and yep. it's coming every day. It's one day closer to that opportunity. Right on. Absolutely. Now, has coach Smith given you guys any indication of, you know, what the, what the schedule is going to look like going forward from here on in? No, no. I mean, some tentative stuff, but it's so hard to trust anything, man. Yeah. I don't know until we get wind of exactly what the game plan is. It's, it's tough to say. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now, uh, thing we do with every guest that we have on here, uh, I like to ask uh, when and where you got your start in the game. When and where I, when I started? Yeah. I So I started playing baseball, actually. Um, oh, really? I was 12. Yeah. Oh, I wow. got cut from the Little League All-Star team, the guys team. I was devastated because it was because I was a chick because it definitely wasn't <laughs> that I wasn't good. That was damn good. Yeah. Um, and I remember my dad pulling me aside after I got cut and just kind of given me that dose of this is a reality of if you continue to try to play baseball, you have to remember that the opportunities for women in baseball is not what it is for softball, right? Like if you want to continue to keep pursuing this in, in college and stuff like that, baseball is not the answer. And that may be tough hearing that at 12, but I'm so thankful that he did because he's so right. Like yeah. I'm going to put my daughter in baseball, but it's because I want her to compete with the boys at that level. I do. I like, I like that competition piece. Um, but I started playing playing softball when I was just probably late 12 and was terrible at pitching for a long time. Like I just did the side slingshot and wasn't good. My coach told me I wasn't good. Um, <laughs> but my dad 
and my mom obviously saw something so great in both my brother and I as athletes and continued to work with us and push us and put us in positions to be successful in sports. And um, if you tell me I'm not good at something, I'm going to do everything in my power to prove you wrong. And um, I'm lucky that that coach told me that because it just made me work even harder and here I am at 33 trying to do this Olympic thing again. <laughs> right on. Now you were part of the white rock renegades program, correct? Mm-hmm. How, I started out with the, with the Langley rebels and then okay. I played with the Poco Ravens for a little bit. Um, Surrey storm for a little bit and then finished majority of my years with the renegades. Right on. So how instrumental was that in your development for, you know, growing up? Yeah, I, I was really thankful for the renegades. Um, I had a coach that took me under his wing in Rick Sullivan, who is my pitching coach. Uh, without him, I'm nowhere where I'm at now, honestly. Like, there'd be times he'd pick me up after school, and we'd go right to Noel Booth, right by where my high school was, and throw a bullpen, and my dad would pick me up after work, and we would do this two, three times a week, and he didn't charge a dime. It was oh, wow. simply because he was working with me, and, uh, I mean, we just, we loved doing that. and that to me just made me realize like when I was inducted into the hall of fame, maybe two years ago, he was number one on my list of guys that needed to be there, him and Greg Tim, um, simply because they had the most impact on my, my softball career kind of growing up. Like Rick took me under his wing and gave his time to me. Um, so at the end of the day, it's like, he's number one on my list of people that have helped me get to where I'm at for sure. That's awesome. Now, 2005, you'd, uh, join the Canadian national team. First, I want to ask, what was it like for you to get word that you'd be representing your country? Um, well, I started out when I was 16 with the junior, with the, the junior national team. So I think that was maybe oh, okay. 2003. Right. So was 2005 really, was the, was the, was the senior, was the, the women's national. Yeah. 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 I, I was really nervous, honestly. Um, I've been through a lot of ups and downs with the national team program, such a different space now at my age and where I'm at with experience wise. But when I started with them in 2005, the national team program was at such a different spot than where it's at now. Like now it's equal across the board with vets and younger players and everyone feels blended and good. And when I was playing, it was definitely the older ones and the younger ones. And it was that extreme line in the middle and that's kind of tough, I think, sometimes as a younger kid, because I was still a kid. I wasn't a woman yet. I was like 17 years old. And right. You need that guidance, right? Like you need someone that is willing to take you under their wing to help you. And also know that sometimes at 17, you're stubborn and you're going to be, you're going to be a, 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 a little bitch, maybe. I don't know, <laughs> but I needed someone to kind of take me under their wing and it didn't really happen. And that's totally okay. And that's why I've definitely enjoyed being back in this grind, doing it so many years later, because it's given me a new respect for the game and how I, I treat teammates and how I expect a lot from my, my teammates, but it's only because the bar is set and I am always working above the bar. Um, I've, I've definitely had my ups and downs with it, but I'm in such a healthy space with it. And I hope I get the opportunity to compete um, this summer for sure. Excellent. I got to touch on university of Washington. Now uh, were the Huskies always your choice or were there other schools on the radar? There was three. Um, it was between the university of Alabama, 
uh, University of Nebraska and then Washington and all had a little bit of a national team tie in with Patrick Murphy, who helped. He was coaching, helping coach Team Canada that year that I was pitching for them where we beat USA for the first time when I was 18. Um, But for me, ultimately, it came down to like, I didn't want to be away from my family really far. Nowadays, it's so different with how much is nationally televised. Um, But I just knew if I were to go to Alabama or Nebraska, my parents can't fly out and watch me every weekend, like coming from Canada and and, and they've been such a huge part of my success. It's like I wanted them to be around and I wanted them to be a part of this because it's been my life and they are my life. So making that decision to be 90 minutes away meant that they could be a huge part of it and I could still get my freedom. But in the sense, they're a 90 minute drive away. Um, my grandparents could come and watch me. I don't know. It was important for me to, to be around them. And I would still make, make that same decision today, even if it meant the TV exposure, being able to play in Alabama or Nebraska, and they could watch all these games. Um, but the best memories for me are having them in the stands and knowing and counting on them. And just, they're all, they're all showing up for me. Right on. Now, what was your, what was your first impression of, of university there? Uh, can I sign my letter of intent? I want to go here. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've constantly drew, drew, like had driven by the university all the time, right? Like we go to tournaments past Seattle and Spokane and we're driving and you go over the bridge and you see the football stadium. And I mean, there's no beautiful, there's no other beautiful campus like Washington and the stop spot where it's set up by the water. And I mean, it's, it's like a kid in a candy shop type scenario. Right. And not to mention like you get that city living, but you get that campus feel. And as soon as, as Washington showed up to the Canada cup in those purple outfits, when Heather first got the job at Washington, I was the first recruit on her radar and I was her first um, recruit ever. And as soon as they walked in, I just remember being like, I'm going there. doesn't matter what they got to say, nothing. I just knew in my gut, that's where I wanted to go. And any kid that I come across, I tell them to follow your gut, not your head, not your parents. You follow your gut and you make that decision. Right. That must have been a really special feeling knowing you were the first Canadian to play for the Huskies. It was awesome. It really was. Because to me, it means that that, that means that we're breaking barriers of opening up that for other women in the sport. Right. Like it's yeah. not to say that, that the kids can't compete at this level, but I think for so long it's that they assumed that they just weren't as good as the kids in the U S and that's a bunch of crap because, you know, players like myself and Jen Stalin were the prime examples of the first ones to kind of get that opportunity to play in the pac 12 where people are like, all right, wow, we got to start looking for these kids in Canada now because they're talented and you're damn right. And I was so proud. One of my proudest moments, I'm not one to love individual accolades, but winning that USA softball player of the year as a Canadian was so cool because it just showed me that like we as Canadians can do anything, right? Like we can compete at the highest level. And to me, that truly makes me realize why can't Canada win a gold medal at the 2021 Olympics? Anything is possible. Um, It takes a hardcore sacrifice, but at the end of the day, like I've never been scared of the challenge. I know my teammates have never been scared of a challenge and it's, it, we just got to put our head down and, and get to work. And that's exactly what we've been doing. Freaking right. Now, now that, uh, that first season with Washington, you, you'd end up starting 35 games. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the, from your freshman year? Man, I wish that, um, I wanted the ball more and I, I threw a lot, but 
I went into my freshman year, I think a little hesitant and not really knowing much. Like I'm some Canadian kid, small town, Langley, BC, going to this big school. And it's tough when your parents are so great and they literally help you with everything. And then you go to college and there's no one holding your hand telling you what to do. Right. The expectation is you need to get your stuff done. You need to get your lift done. You need to work showing up at 6 a.m. weights. And I was super overwhelmed. I didn't know how to handle it, nor did I know how to uh, structure everything out to the to the max. And I struggled academically the first quarter. And Coach Tar um, had to sit me down and we had a huge chat. And she's just like, we have to get you in the right frame of mind and get you the help you need. Um, and it was just lining myself up with the right tutors and the right people to help me just structure some things out. And I really wish that I would have went in with the attitude of like, I'm going to be the starting pitcher right away. I kind of went in hesitant of maybe stepping on Caitlin Noble's toes after she just came off this amazing freshman year. And that's never been in my DNA. It's always been, give me the ball. I'm the one. Um, and it took about a, a couple months to realize that I am the one and it's okay that I'm the one because I deserve it, but you never want to make your teammates feel unworthy either. Right. right. So it was kind of in line. I just wish that I would have, um, came in with a little bit more of that attitude of like, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. And if I get the ball, I get the ball, but I'm not scared to get it. Right. Now, that second season, you guys would make the Women's College World Series. Uh, that first game, that what was the atmosphere like? Because, you know, a lot of people get, uh, you know, a little shell-shocked by it. But, I mean, you fired a no-hitter yeah. in, in that first game. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in that? Yeah. It's so crazy, too, because my dad and Rick Sullivan, my pitching coach who I was talking about earlier, were late showing up. They didn't show up till the sixth inning. Oh, my so God, really? Yeah. And of course we don't have our phones in the dugout or anything. So I'm kind of like getting nervous. Like is something happening with my dad? Like, is everything okay? They're supposed to be here. Um, but honestly it was such a big league feel that I hadn't been used to that many people in the stands, but I had played there before with team Canada. So like, I knew what I was getting myself into as far as like what the field's like, how, how, you know, how many seats there are and the list goes on, right. but there's nerves regardless if you've been there or not, hmm. especially game one. And that's why I love my job with getting to broadcast because I feel like I have that inside scoop to exactly what the athletes are thinking game one on Thursday, first game out of the shoot. Like you're nervous. It doesn't matter if you're the player of the year or if you're the eight seed. Um, and that's a cool feeling because I feel like you get to see what you're made of because those nerves, are a special part of the game, right? It means definitely you made it and you're at the biggest stage, but like now what? Like, how are you going to react um, when the game's on the line? And for me, it was not trying to do anything different. I, I think I, I pitch better in those high intensity games of pressure and, and people and a lot on the line. So I work hard because I, I know that um, I have to deal with the good and the bad of the outcome of those types of games. But for me, Oklahoma was where I knew I wanted to play every single year and super lucky that I got to go there three out of the four years that I was there. Yeah. Now, do you think that uh, getting there your sophomore year, do you think that was, that helped you going into 2008 for the Olympic year? Uh, no, no. That 2008 Olympic year was a whirlwind. Um, I was 20 years old, had to redshirt the whole year. I was gone that's a dream come true, right? Like yeah. now, if I think about it and I didn't have kids and I could go back in time, like, wow, how cool that I literally get to take a year off to train for an Olympic game. 
I just didn't know how to handle it. Right. I'm such a homebody. I'm so used to just my own, my own routine and my, my team and Washington was my family. And then I just had to leave. And I went through this weird, not depression, but I was kind of depressed a little bit because I just didn't, I didn't know how to deal with the emotions of it. And for me, Washington was family and team Canada was work. Right. And I didn't know how to turn the Team Canada into family because there was still that fine line between the older ones and the younger ones. It was that battle at times of old versus young and young versus old and not always the healthiest. We're so past that now. That was just, God, obviously 13 years ago. But it's tough when you're 20 years old because you think your shit doesn't stink. That's the reality. And there's a lot that I wish that I could have done differently. Um, and that's why I think it's so cool that I'm getting another a kick at this thing 13 years later with the life experience and the family dynamic and piece to that puzzle. But I wish there was a lot of things that could have been done differently. But I also know that I do not live in the past. The past helps define how I want to go about my future, but it doesn't make me like get sad like it used to, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think I, I recall reading or heard you say like in an interview that you wish you had your mentality that you do now back in 2008. Oh, yeah. yeah I, now I just get it though. Yeah. Like I get, like I got to work to the level that I need to work to regardless of the ball's in my hand or not. And I always just expected the ball in my hands because that's what badass pitchers do. You want the ball, but how do you deal with it when you don't have it? How do you deal with it when you're not the one whose name's being called? And I didn't know how to deal with it. I've always only been the one. And now, 13 years later at this hopefully 2021 Olympics, like I just need to know that I've done everything in my power to do what I need to do, but also set the bar for the pitchers where we're in this place where we totally have each other's back. Like, because it's not going to be a one, a one, one arm show at the Olympic games. It's going to be uniquely using pitchers and a staff mentality and how we can make it work. And then my closing and my starting, whatever it may be when my name's called, I'm ready. But if Sarah or Lauren Bay or Jenna or those, or those athletes are going out there, I got their back just mm-hmm. as much as I would have my own back because that's how it needs to be because the games evolved so much. So I just think the teammate piece is something that um, I've definitely gotten a lot better at. And I'm lucky that I'm on this team with, you know, Jen Fallon, Kaylee Rafter, Lauren Bay. Like we got to compete at the Olympics together. It's really special that we're still doing this 13 years later. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, yeah. Let's jump to 2009 was a pretty big year for you. Uh, it sure was. When the, when the, Women's College World Series defeated uh, top-ranked Florida Gators in the finals, but it's not like you had an easy road there. What do you remember the team's mindset being after that four-hour, fifteen-minute marathon against Georgia in the semis? Um, I mean, dude, we played UMass and played eight hours of softball in the in the regional. Nothing was worse than that. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah. Oh. For me in that moment, like as hard as the Georgia game was, and it was the back-to-back games, it was like, I've already overcome so much that nothing will be harder than UMass. I hate to say it, but nothing up to date has been harder than UMass. So that almost set me up with this Terminator mentality of like, no one better, let's go. Like, I know what I can do. Um, not to say that I would love doing that every outing, but when you set that bar and you know that you've overcome it, that's what I had not done in the past. So 2006, 2007, 
I wasn't able to like get past that. And I think the mental approach to things and working with Kendra Vizza and heads up baseball and the list goes on. I mean, the difference between the good and the great athletes is what's between the ears straight up. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like, yeah, we lost to Georgia and it sucks, but we did this exact same thing three weeks earlier. And what was I telling myself? What was I doing? And how am I going to go into this game with my back up against the wall and just absolutely go ham? And that's what happened. And I, and I, I believe when, when anyone's backs up against the wall, I trust no one but myself. Like I want the ball when the, when the going gets tough um, because I train to love those moments. Um, yeah. It's not always the outcome you want it to be, but you have to train to be ready regardless of uh, if your name's going to be called or not. And, it, it was tough, but I mean, we crushed them game two. So it felt kind of good because I felt like they were always our, always our Achilles heel, Georgia. I mm. hated playing Georgia. <laughs> um, but I mean, it honestly made it where we went into play Florida, where it just was not nearly as hard as playing Georgia. Yeah. I hate to say it. Well, I mean, that first game you beat them eight nothing. You beat the Gators yeah. eight nothing that first game. And funny thing yeah. is I, I just, I went back and watched this game on Friday night just to, you know, do, doing my research. But, uh, I had, the thing I noticed, like that last game, your swag was undeniable in that game. It's like, you knew it was on your shoulders and you were taking it all in. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, I'd put in so I'd put so much into this game, you know, and I went through so much that Olympic year and I struggled a lot. Right. Mm. So I think for me, it was like, the swagger has to be high because I've worked too hard for it not to be. And it's totally cool to be proud, right? In those moments. And I, I, I'm I'm never too cocky, but I will keep my level of swag where it needs to be because I, I work hard. Um, but damn, that was one of the, probably the highlight of my whole softball career when we won. Because mm-hmm. like when you can put your hand up in the air and say that you're the best team and you know it because you've literally lived it day in and day out. It's special. Um, I wish I could go back and bottle up those emotions. I watched the games and I still get teary eyed watching because I remember how hard it was. So it was special. Yeah. Your dad was awesome to watch in that game, by the way, like (laughs) as a father myself, like I like, and of course you would as a parent now, just the like emotions that he was going through, like, like watching your child in that kind of situation. Like I could totally feel his emotion that he was going through, but I loved every camera shot that they were panning in on him. <laughs> it's so crazy too, because like him and Rod Matthews, so Alicia Matthews, my catcher, oh, okay, they literally did the same thing. Like every single game, like zaps at each other, same pregame routine, same routine when the game was done. So when we lost to Georgia and all that stuff was happening, like he was just like rattled because the routine was just disrupted. And <laughs> like when people wanted to go golf, I guess, before the national championship game on the Monday, like my dad's a big golfer, right? But he's like, nope, can't do it. Can't mess with the routine. And I, I love it. They're going to lose. And I'm like, dad, you got to trust me more than that. And he goes, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, you're my baby. This is, I got to keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. That's, that's why you guys are winning. I was like, Oh yeah, that's why we're winning. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Creature habit though. I mean, I mean, I'm the same way, like even playing in our, like our league that we have locally here now, like I constantly go through this like same routine and I don't want to disrupt it just because, you know, nope. I'm superstitious. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm superstitious too, but I had to learn that I had to get over it really quick. Yeah. Like I still will do the same thing when I do my warm ups and stuff. Um, but I'm not like rattled to my core if I put on, don't put my right sock on before my left or something like yeah. that. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what would you say was your biggest takeaway from your four years at uh, Washington? Hard work gets you some pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I was so lucky to have Heather Tarr and, and Lance and JT as my coaches. They taught me so much. Coach Tarr is still one of my closest friends. Um, and I just think the importance of how she made us feel was more than just a softball player, you know, like she truly cared about us. And that's what I strive to to be like when I interact with different athletes that play the game, because I just think it's important for you to see them for more than just the game, to be able to be in tune with how they feel sometimes maybe outside of the emotions of the game. Like how's everything going with your family? How's, you know, the list goes on and she made me feel like everything that I did was important. And she made everyone feel like that. And when you have a head coach that can connect with you on that level, the respect is there and you will go through and run through a wall for that person. And that's exactly uh, what I did. So I'm thankful that they're still in my life. And that was a huge reason as to why I wanted to uproot my family and live here was because I wanted to raise my my little girls around obviously a program that supports women's sports and aspire to like get them to believe that if that's what they want to do, they can do it. Like for them to go into the locker room and see Sis Bates and be at her locker is normal for right. them, right? And that to me was not normal growing up. I didn't have that. So it's important for them to see that hard work gets you cool things um, and special things. And for that, I'm thankful. So I'm lucky even though it's dark and stormy and gross here right now, I still am lucky to live where I'm at. <laughs> That's a, actually, I was going to ask you that. Is it true that it rains there all the time? Yeah, right now it's probably the worst time. Is that right? That like January, like December, January, February is kind of crap. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it has its it has its moments. But you don't. There's there's hardly any snow there though. Correct. Hardly any snow. Yeah, well. I haven't. Um, had to deal with any snow that I did not sign up for. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to ask you about, uh, just touch lightly on your, your four years in the national pro fast pitch league with the U triple S a pride there. Uh, how'd you enjoy your time there? Um, I met a lot of great people. Mm. I, I struggled with it a little bit because I feel like you go from college where you're being told what to do all the time right? to then going to this professional league and having to hold yourself to the higher standards fully. And I didn't know like right away how to deal with it. Um, I also had to learn that I'm going to struggle because we only had four teams, which was not overly ideal. Right. Mm. And you're constantly playing the best in the game. So to go and be what I was at Washington was not what I was going to be in the pro league. And it took me, you know, a big transition period to figure that out. Like, how am I going to be an effective pitcher at the next level um, with not being the the old Danielle Laurie? Like what makes me, me at this stage? And um, I found my groove and I found, you know, some amazing friends and I was able to meet my husband and, 
was lucky that that I was in the position that I was in to continue to keep playing this game. So I was thankful to still take the field and I still am. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Right on. Now, uh, I want to ask about your broadcasting career. Um, how, how did that all come about? So funny story, when I graduated the World Series and, and we lost in 2010, Meg Aronowitz, who was kind of like the head honcho and was my boss, approached me in, in 2010. It was just like, I don't know, would you ever be interested to do any broadcasting? And I, I hadn't even really thought about it, honestly. I had taken good communication classes at, at Washington and stuff and public speaking, but I never really thought about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, maybe, let's do it. And she signed me up the following year to do a bunch of games and she was sending me all the information and stuff. And, and then when I was filling out the form, she goes, yeah, I'm going to need your social security number. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, uh, you don't have a social security number. And I was like, no, I'm Canadian. Like, so I actually couldn't work. And (laughs) I went overseas to play in Japan for a couple of years. And then I had my first daughter, Maddie in 2013 and I got my first broadcasting opportunity the summer or the uh, spring of 2014, um, no, 2015 with the Pac-12 network. And that's when I started working. So 2015, I think was the first time that I started. I should get an exact, but um, when I say it's a dream job for me, it a hundred percent is a dream job for me because I just feel like I know the emotions of everything that those athletes are going through So to be able to like put my twist on it, but also inform people of like what a pitcher's feeling in this moment, or like when we do the studio stuff at the world series, like the amount of pressure that these athletes feel, especially like thinking like last year, two years ago, like Rachel Garcia, the reigning player of the year. And there's a lot of pressure behind that, you know, and I've lived it and I've done that. So it's cool to be able to just kind of give my two cents on things. Um, and just talk the game. And I have such a, you know, high expectation for these athletes because I'm still living the grind to this day. Right. And I think that that's what makes it so cool is that I, I, I just get to continue to keep talking about this sport that I love. And I'm happy that, that they still want me to do it. I'm all about it. Right on. I loved your work that you did in the AU like this, this past summer. Like it, Thank you. it's almost, it's, like you were, you were allowed to speak your mind and you did, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you just, you just said what you felt and you know, it, it's refreshing to be able to, you know, hear that kind of stuff. Cause you know, a lot of the broadcasts that you see, it's like, you know, what you see is what you get, but I mean, what you did in the AU was, I loved it. Well, thank you. I, that's one thing that, um, I will continue to try to keep doing is just being open and being honest because, I feel like fluff is not what I would want to hear if I was watching games. You know, I really would want to know like the inside scoop and why they're feeling the way they're feeling and just being honest. Like it's okay to be honest. I still have to walk the walk while playing this game as well. There there will be a day when I've graduated from never having to play and I can just say whatever I want and it doesn't (laughs) matter. But, um, I, I dig it, man. I'm, I'm really lucky that, uh, that Meg saw something in me and wanted me to be a part of it. And here I am. That's awesome. Now, I wanted to ask you just back a little bit here. How did the decision to uh, come back take place to, for this Olympics? 
because I never really heard the story. Yeah, so, yeah, I was um, I was in Boston at my husband's parents' cave house, and Maddie was th- uh, almost three, and Audrey was oh no, Maddie was four, and Audrey was eight months. And I had her down for a nap because everyone else was at the beach and the World's Cup of Softball was on TV and it was Michelle Smith and Tiffany Green. And Tiffany Green asked Michelle Smith like when she felt like she was at her best as an athlete. And Michelle Smith said 34, 35. And I was 30 years old. And all of a sudden it just lit this fire of like, are you kidding me? She just said 34, 35. I instantly reached out to Michelle and told her where my head was at with it. And like, I, I honestly believe if I did not hear her say that, that I would not have went back to play. That's awesome. And I'm lucky that I had a little baby that wanted to nap because there's no way <laughs> I'm at the Cape that I'm filling in the house watching TV. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely a really special moment to be able to hear her say that and make that decision. Oh, that's awesome. Now, when you guys qualified back in 2019 at Softball City, like that feels like it was forever ago now. But, uh, you know, doing your comeback, that must have been pretty emotional for you to go through all that work to come back and then now know you're going to represent Canada again at the Olympic Games. It definitely was. And yes, obviously helping the team qualify and being a part of that. But the fact that everyone that I loved in the whole entire world was there made it that much more special. Like I had my girls, my brother, my parents, my husband, obviously my closest friends in the world. Um, everyone that I cared about more than anyone was there. Coach Tar was there. And, um, that's what made it special. Yes. Being on home soil was number one, but then when you really know that everyone you love in the world is loving and supporting you in this moment, it was just like, damn, I'm so grateful to still be playing. And it just kind of made me realize like, why I did and why I did come back to play. And it was for this moment right here. So it's awesome. That's awesome. Now, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's a gold medal in the, in the future here. Now, uh, some yeah. little thing we like to end the podcast with here is, uh, we call it player association. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw it a name and you can say as much as you want or as little as you want about them. Okay. All right. Okay. So Nervous. first one is, uh, coach head Oh my God. She's the realest person I know. She's the biggest badass. I would run through the ends of the earth for her. That's awesome. Uh, next one is, uh, Alicia Blake. Oh my God. Alicia Blake was like the yin to my yang. She was so talk about like polar opposites her and I, but (laughs) she knew how to calm me down and to truly like get into my head to make me relax without her. I do not pitched the same when I was at Washington, a hundred percent. Did, did she catch you all four years that you were there? Not my last year. Oh, okay. She graduated the year one. And then, um, I caught, uh, Shauna Wright caught me. Oh, okay. Right on. Year. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, next one is Lauren Regula. Lauren Regula. I'm pretty stoked that her and I are going to be the only moms at the Olympics. If everything works out softball wise, I can't speak for the other athletes, yeah. but, um, to me, I think that that mom strength is a whole other, a whole other beast. Um, and it's cool to be able to have someone on the team that relates to that and knows the grind. Um, and we've been through so much together through the good and the bad. Um, and no one better than, than her. I know she's grinding and doing what she needs to do. 
Um, and I know she feels the same way about me. Yeah. I mean, I had her on the podcast here and, you know, she told, told the story about her, her years of depression there and, you know, yeah. for her to go through that and then to come out, you know, how she is now and getting to play in the Olympics again, that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember her telling me that story and I, uh, I had tears in my eyes because you just don't know people's people's stuff, right? Like mm. you don't know what people go through and people are easy to cast judgment on stuff, but they really have no idea about people's inner struggles and battles with things. So I loved that she talked to me about that because it just made me realize like you can literally get through anything woman. Like mm. there was days she questioned if she wanted to live or not. And now she is hopefully getting to compete in her third Olympic game. So she's a badass mom mm. and an even better team. Yep, so 100%. I'm lucky to be around her. Yep. Uh, next one is, uh, Kaylee Rafter. Oh my God. If Rafter wasn't, wasn't on the team, I wouldn't do it. Just say that <laughs> she is, uh, she's awesome. I've never met someone that does more homework than Rafter as far as like preparation and yeah. pitch calling and everything. So I trust her at the end of the day, I'm going to throw what I want to throw, but I trust her with my life. Yeah, no, for sure. I, we had her on the podcast here as well. And, and just the stuff she was rhyming off as far as, you know, you know, what she does for a batter and everything. It's like, holy cow. Like she, she definitely studies the game. She's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the last one, one you're familiar with Jen Salling. Yeah. She's my, Jen's my home girl, man. We have been through so much together. Um, she's definitely someone that I know at the end of the day, like there's four vets on that team. I know they all got my back, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to war with, I'm going with Jen. Mm. Um, she's respected this grind more than anyone that I ever know. And she, she put me in a space to get me back to where I'm at right now through some of my darkest days. Um, without her, I'm definitely not in the headspace that I'm at now, ready to compete and go. And, um, you know, you have these moments where you see that medal going around your neck and your teammates that you go hug after with tears in your eyes, yeah. like her and Raph are top of my list of those teammates where it's like the whole thing at the end of it and you hug them and you cry with them. And you know that at the end of the day, we've all done everything we possibly can in this moment in time. And no one better. I think of one time in my life where time had stopped and it was both of them my kids were born and when we won that national championship and for me getting the opportunity to fight for an Olympic medal would be just that. And, uh, no one better than Jen Dowling and Kaylee Rafter for sure that have helped me get to where I'm at. I would not be on this team if it was not for those two. I mean that. That's awesome. Well, Dan, I got to thank you for coming on. You know, it's, uh, of course. it's, uh, awesome. You know, it, it Took a bit to get you on. I mean, we we went back and forth there yeah. for a little bit, but uh, sorry. No, that hey hey, everybody's busy. <laughs> I totally understand, uh, especially yeah. you being a mother of two. I I totally get it. Uh, but no, I gotta I gotta thank you for coming on. I mean, it's big for our for our podcast here to have a name like you come on, and uh, you know, I I wish you oh, nothing but the best, and hopefully, you guys can bring home the gold medal to Canada. Boom! Let's go, baby. Yeah. Ready. Awesome. All right, Dan. <laughs> Thank so you for coming on. Appreciate it. Right. You're welcome. Bye.
Lo and behold, my mojo's out of control Back at it, I'm no joke, going for gold I've been around, put it down all over the globe Still the Nova Scotian in me comes out of my mode The East Coast, my accent is evident No neglecting it, I represent my residence East Coast, and I don't hang with anyone who's selfish Pass the weed, I can smell it I'm heavyweight, attitude like Chevy Chase I'm over 30, it's too late for you to set me straight I don't ball, I ball hockey Know what you call cocky, ball Marty meets ball coffee Top of the morn, I've been the motherfucker way before my daughter was born Turn the clocks back and check the lock in your door Cause it ain't safe outside no more when Schedule is most my demeanor and my timing is a little offbeat. Whether it's rhymes or the marketing schemes or the beats, best believe everything it's all me. I'm on stage freestyling off the head.